Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Heart of Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Siegfried, and happy Thursday. I hope you are doing fantastic, having a beautiful week, and ready for a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Today, I have an incredible guest. She is just the sweetest. Her name is Elizabeth Presta, and she is a birth doula as well as the host of Miraculous Mamas podcast. She is phenomenal with all of the information that she is bringing to new mamas. And honestly, we just talk about life and purpose in motherhood and and our identity that can shift when we become a new mama. So tune in and enjoy. Welcome, Liz, to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk all things motherhood and just all things life. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, first and foremost, I'd love to hear more about your podcast so that so that listeners can um, hear what you do and truly what what made you want to become a doula and help other mothers through your podcast. Yeah. Well, the reason I wanted to do the podcast is because I've learned so much information as a doula and I'm like, this just has to get out there. Like there has to be a way to reach more people. The latest study, which was like in 2012 showed that like 6% of people use doulas. So they're not something that's like widely used. And granted that was almost 10 years ago. So I'm sure it's gone up a little bit, but I don't think by much. Um, just also because of affordability, accessibility, um, where you're birthing and, um, and it's still something that a lot of people don't know about. So as a doula, I've just learned so much about birth and that matrescence phase, which is becoming a mom, that season of life. Uh, and I wanted to have some sort of platform to be able to share it. Uh, also, cause there's a lot of misconceptions with doulas that, if you have a doula, it has to be a home birth and you're not having any medication. And I just really wanted to create a community of acceptance and of knowledge that, Hey, like you might do birth this way. Uh, and that's great. And here's some information on that, or you might do birth that way. And that's great too. And here's information on that. So I want women to really feel supported in the choices that they're making, whether you're you know, like, like one of my girlfriends was pregnant and she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm like, as soon as I can get that epidural, I'm going to get it because she does not do well with pain. And I'm like, great. Like, you know, if you know that that's what you want, do that. And then, um, like even for me, I ended up getting an epidural with Jovi, although it wasn't planned. Um, but I'm already planning my next birth to be at a birthing center and to try it unmedicated again. And knowing that I have different options there for pain relief as well. So, um, so miraculous mamas was really just wanting to bring together stories of people who have been there before us or who are going into it, maybe some experts. Um, and I just, I really love how it's evolved. Um, I am going to be rebranding soon, um, which I'm really excited about and to branch out just into some other other uh, topics as well. Oh, fun. Yeah. So will it um, still be Miraculous Mamas? No, it's going to be a whole new name um, to be determined. <laughs> uh, we're playing around with a few different things. But if you subscribe to Miraculous Mamas, then you'll stay in the loop of fun. all the changes that will be happening. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm excited to see. But I do love what you do with Miraculous Mamas, though, and what you do as a doula, because I think it's so true what you were saying about only 6%. That is so limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate because 
doulas and the support that they offer, it's like so necessary and needed for all births, whether you're having a hospital birth or a home birth, I think just having the information there and knowing what to expect is something that new mamas don't have. And luckily, you know, I was in an area um, where it was known like doulas and birthing centers and midwives. And also Chris was born at home. So I had his family to kind of lean on in terms of choosing what was best for us. But that's not out there. And I have friends who are pregnant now. And like, it's like, don't even think about the expectations of the birth or they're just like, Oh, I just go to the hospital and I'll, you know, do what the doctor says. But we have to know that we are our best advocates for our bodies and we know what's best. So, so how Mm -hmm. do you go about really helping mamas the day of the day of, yeah, of the labor, the delivery? I love what you just said though, about when you're kind of describing doulas, you're like, the inf- information and what to expect. Uh, Cause there's so many things that happen in labor and birth that you might not know are normal. And that's one of the things of my job that I love is to help you and your partner know the day of when different things are happening, it can be like, Oh my gosh, what is this? What's going on? And it's like, this is completely normal. Um, like a lot of people who end up getting an epidural might not know that uh, it can cause your blood pressure to drop. It can cause you to vomit. It can, um, cause, give you the shakes, uh, after birth, most people do get the shakes. They start shaking uncontrollably because it's all these hormones leaving your body, but your partner's like, oh my gosh, is she having a seizure? What's going on? Um, and so being there to help normalize, Hey, this is birth. This is normal. This is what happens, uh, is a big part of my job. Uh, another thing that we do the day of is a lot of informational support and then a lot of physical support. So, um, a lot of times my job is very physical. I'll come home like so sore and be sore for days from births, from doing like hours of hip squeezes. Or like the back, like pushing the pressure back. Points. I felt so yeah. bad for my doula. I was like, you know, she just stayed there the whole time, just pushing on my back. Yeah, the counter pressure. Yeah. Oh, it's so good though. And um, so physical support, helping you through the contractions and suggesting different positions. You can kind of tell when... Um, well, it's good to kind of keep moving positions because it helps rotate the baby and keep the baby moving down in the birth canal. So suggesting those, um, and then emotional support. So (laughs) birth is very emotional for you and your partner (laughs) and, uh, and just reminding you, I mean, a huge part of my job is encouragement. Like you're doing awesome. You got this. Uh, It's one contraction at a time, breathe that one away, let yourself rest. You are powerful. Um, and just trying to speak life into uh, these women giving birth because it, I don't know about you, but for me, I thought I was going to die. Yes. So <laughs> yes, the first, the first time around I was like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> Cause I was, um, at a birthing center and I, I hit a point where, mm-hmm. you know, he just wasn't moving and I was just like bearing it. And I, t- I looked at Chris, I'm like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily I had doula and midwives that knew like, okay, it's time to pop my bag. And yeah. after that all went well. Ooh. So yeah, thank God mm-hmm. for people who could know like what next steps to do and, mm-hmm. and to really help move along the labor. So it, I mean, there's so, there's so much, like, there's just so much purpose in everything that these, you know, experts do. And so I think mm-hmm. that's important for new mamas to lean on the experts to know 
Hey, yeah. like, this might sound weird, but you know, try to get on all fours and move your hips. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, I mean, if you're a certified doula, you're an expert in this certain field. So a lot of people think if I hire a doula, is that going to replace my partner? What's my partner going to do? And I'm always like, well, is your partner a labor expert? No. <laughs> is he going to know how to really help you? No. So what we do, is we help your partner help you. Mm-hmm. And they've done some studies that are really interesting And people who had a doula actually looked back more fondly of their partner throughout their birth because, yeah, because the doula like gives them purpose. They give like, first of all, we give them a break if they need a break or we, you need to take, they need to take care of themselves too. Some, a lot of times you haven't slept, you haven't eaten. Um, and then they feel okay grabbing a snack because your doula is there with you. Uh, they're not leaving you alone. Um, and then helping them. Some people really want to be really involved and some people don't. So, um, kind of reading the situation, getting to know them and for people who really want to be involved and, and help out giving them the jobs. There's times where my arms get tired where I'm like, Hey, can you come do these squeezes for a yeah. while? Hey, can you grab this? Hey, I need you to be in front of her right now, looking her in her eyes yeah. saying, you can do this. You got this. Um, cause that's sometimes so they're good. like, I don't I know where to that. go or what to do. And it's like, she needs you front and center. Come on. Yes, that's so good. <laughs> I mean, after the, after Asher's birth, I was just, I was just in awe of what the experience was with Chris. Cause he just showed up and yes, he just took the directions of the doula and he sat behind me most of the time to help. But then he also like held my arm, you know, he was just always there and it made like, it just made it so much more special. I don't, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, birth is obviously special, but to have that with your spouse was really unique. It was, it was very unique. And I, yeah, I did look at him a little differently, like, Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, thanks for helping me. That was the mm-hmm. worst thing ever. No, it was good. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Don't lie. It's horrible. <laughs> I know it is. It, it was. And it's wonderful. Um, all in the same. I know I had so much, so much anxiety, um, leading up to labor for my second, because my, you know, because of the experience with the first and I was doing it at home the second time. Um, but then by the, like once a week, I was like a week away. I don't know. I just felt like this piece over me. And I'm like, you know, I got this. Like I I did it before I can do this. And the one thing I say, I tell everyone about the second time around is rather than just like enduring the contractions and enduring the pain, I really embraced it. And I felt like I surrendered to it and I was just going with it. And it was a much more enjoyable experience um, per se in terms of dealing with labor. But what yeah. are some, what are some of your favorite tips that you offer new moms or maybe prepare them for? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, speaking of like second births the other day, I was just like crying on the couch and Vito's like, why? And I'm like, cause we want to have another baby. I'm like, I can't do it. Like, I don't think that I can do it. He's like, you don't really have to think about that right now. But I'm like, just because my first one was so, so hard and I, I, we want to have more kids and yeah, I was just crying it's, being like, I don't much, think I can go through it again. It's much easier. Well, I mean, for, for me and what I've heard. Yeah. Usually was, second births are a lot easier. Yeah. I think that, you know, the first just paved the way mm-hmm. um, yeah. with his big old head. Right. And then, and then, you know, it was so much easier the second time around. And yeah. faster. They say mm-hmm. it cut, cuts time in half. And yes. it, it did. 
It totally did. But then the third ones are called the wild card babies. So that's like, you never know what's going to happen with your third baby. Um, That's true. Where I work, they're always like the third, the first one's like really hard. The second one's usually short and quick um, and a lot easier. The third one's a a gamble. Like you don't know what's going to happen. So in the birth world, we say that. Um, But a few things that I help um, or that I tell people to do to prepare themselves is to create a birthing plan. And there's a lot of people that say like, oh, like before, like I'm just going to go in, wing it, whatever. You can still have that mentality. You can be like, whatever happens, happens. But the whole point of the birth plan isn't necessarily to create a plan because things can change. Um, Something could come up with your birth. You could develop preeclampsia. You could um, have some sort of complication. Uh, It's, you can kind of have an idea what you want, but things can definitely change. The point of the birth plan is to know that you have options. So it's seeing that, okay, uh, do I want to do delayed cord clamping? Do I want intermittent monitoring? What's the benefit of intermittent monitoring? Does my hospital do that? Does my provider do that? Do they only do continuous monitoring? Cause there's a lot of mm-hmm. research around continuous monitoring and how it actually adds like increases C-section rates. Absolutely. Um, So there's like a lot of great research to back up your decisions, but the point of creating a birthing plan is to know that you have options so that when things do change, you're not blindsided. You're not like, oh, what is this? I don't know what this intervention is. I don't know what are the risks? Are there alternatives? Um, So I always tell people to to create the birth plan. There's a lot of good templates online and you can do your research, talk about it with your provider, see if they're on board, what their standards of practice are. Another thing that I say is to follow and listen to the evidence-based birth podcast. That's probably one of my favorite resources. If you don't listen to podcasts, they just have an amazing website with articles on it and you can look up any topic at all. And they have a podcast on it. And what they do, this lady was a labor and delivery nurse. And then she got her master's and her PhD. And she's so passionate about helping people that she takes all the data and research and studies done and compiles it for you and interprets it basically. And she can tell you why this study is flawed or why the study is great and what the actual risks, benefits, statistics are to help you make informed decisions. Um, Cause sometimes there can be fear mongering that happens. I've been at a birth where her water had broken and the doctor actually it was a midwife literally came in and told her, if you don't get a C-section, your baby's going to get an infection and die. What? Yes. What? It's like, yeah. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. And her water had been broken for like 12 hours. So when you go like 48, it can go like three days, three days yeah. before it really oh. increases. But what really increases the rate of infection is how many vaginal exams you're doing. So yep. if the doctor's checking you every hour to see if anything's happening, they're opening you up for that infection instead of giving your body time. So just having this research and the knowledge is preparing you for all of that. Again, to like advocate for yourself to be, I don't know, just to have those options. Like I know for me, like I never got checked like so many people, cause I went to 41 weeks and people would ask me, Oh, how dilated are you? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, what? And I'm like, it literally yeah. nothing. It, yeah. 
it means nothing. nothing. I could be dilated for three centimeters for For days. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Or I could be completely closed and go into labor tonight and have my baby. Yeah. So the only reason they check you is for induction Mm that you have to be checked because you have, your cervix has to be ripe in order to be induced. Um, other than that, like if you're not planning on getting induced, um, I had an induction plan for my 42 weeks, but up until that point, like I didn't want to get checked. I knew it would play with my head mm-hmm. and there was just no reason mm-hmm. to. Cause the I moment kn- you hear, Oh, you're three, se- you're three, um, centimeters. It's like people then are like, Oh my God, I'm in labor, but you know, your right. body still has so much more to work through. So that's such good. I was nervous that I just didn't want to hear, oh, you're not dilated at all. Mm. Cause I'd be like, I'm never having this baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I just knew that that would mess with my head. Um, and then once I was in labor, I think, let's see, I was at the hospital, I think for 19 hours from the time, like I got there to when I delivered her and I had three, three exams during that time. And each time I asked for it, um, actually I think four, cause right before I pushed her out, they checked me just to make sure. Um, so yeah, at one yeah. point the midwife was like, we can check you. And, and it's like so uncomfortable when you're, oh when gosh. you're, when you're laboring and going through contractions, when they're trying to check you, like I like, it was, I actually think that was the worst. And, and I only got yeah, checked maybe bad. twice or three times, mm-hmm. but uh, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, well, so the interesting thing though, like that I've learned from listening to that podcast too, is, um, the whole reason they check you is because they've developed a standards of practice based on this thing called Friedman's curve. Mm-hmm. And it was this doctor who basically said you should dilate a centimeter every couple hours, um, every hour to two hours, that's a normal progression of labor. And if you don't, then that's when doctors say, well, failure to progress and we're going to have this intervention. So it's once you have the knowledge, right. And you learn these things, then you learn that the study is completely flawed. Yeah. You learn that everybody's body is so different. Um, and they actually just came out with a new article on the quote unquote failure to progress. And it's so interesting. And that's why I just recommend that because you feel empowered and that helps you actually choose providers who are going to support that, who are evidence-based. Um, like yeah, so- I delivered at a hospital and it was evidence. I was with a practice that's evidence-based. So I knew that they were going to respect me. That's great. So what was the name of the podcast again for listeners to hear? evidence-based birth podcast? Perfect. Yeah. You, you can follow them on Instagram. You can read their article. Just go to their website. I think it's like ebb.com. Um, so creating a birth plan, evidence-based birth podcast. And then I always tell people to take a childbirth education course. So whether it's hypnobirthing, evidence-based birth has one, um, the Bradley method, mm-hmm. um, there's Lamaze, which you don't hear about as much anymore. Um, but any form of childbirth education course that you're going to take you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn the normal stages of labor, the normal progressions of labor, um, the different feelings that come when you hit that point where you're like, I cannot do this anymore. You're usually in transition and you're getting pretty close when you're throwing in the towel. Um, so it's, you, you learn a lot through a childbirth education course, take it with your partner. It gives them tools. They learn a lot. They learn how to support you. And, um, and that will also help you develop a birthing plan and give you those 
that information. And then the last one is choosing a provider wisely. Um, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from doing my podcast or from clients I've taken on who've had past experiences who were just not validated or heard in their experiences, Mm -hmm. who were forced to actually this birth I just went to. Oh my gosh. Her first birth, they told her to be quiet. She said that she had to push. The doctor wasn't there. And so they, the nurses literally pushed her baby's head. No, in. no, no. And once the doctor came in, he just immediately gave her an episiotomy. She delivered the baby. And then after the baby was out, he put his hand in and manually extracted her placenta all without her consent on any of these things. And hearing oh my God, that, you don't do that. No. <laughs> How can he even be in practice? Right. I don't know. I'm like, how, how did you not like, he literally just treated her body. Like it was like an Amazon package. Right. (laughs) He's Mm -hmm. like, right. Yeah. So, um, it's very rare now that people need an episiotomy. There are certain situations where it definitely helps if you have vacuum or forceps or there's a or a shoulder distortia, which can be very dangerous. Um, an episiotomy can help. It used to be a standard of practice. It's not anymore. And this birth oh, happened just a hear. couple years ago. So after her telling me this story, I'm like, uh, like you, you're, you right now, like you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so this birth was awesome for her because obviously we listened to her, um, before anything was done, the midwife's like getting consent, making sure that she's on board. Um, just making sure that she's informed on everything that's happening, that she's feeling validated and heard. And, um, and that's why I feel like choosing your provider is so, so important. Look at the reviews, get word of mouth, talk to your friends, look at the statistics of the hospital or the practice that you're birthing with, because the world health organization says that a C-section rate of a country should be 10 to 12%. Well, we're at 34%. Oh my God. And there's practices that are a lot higher, right? So there's some practices that are 40% C-section rate. Um, And thankfully I actually work at a practice that we have like a 7% C-section rate and we have a 75% VBAC success rate. Wow. So a lot of VBACs come to us because they know that we're going to support them in that and try as hard as we can to get them to have one. Obviously there's situations where it doesn't happen. Um, So making sure that you have a provider that is going to respect you, respect your wishes, listen to you. I think you learn a lot at your appointments and that it's never too late to switch. You could be 38 weeks pregnant and be like, you know what? I'm going a different direction and follow your gut. If you don't feel comfortable, switch. Absolutely. It makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. All the difference. Those are really, really great tips. And so as a new mama yourself, (laughs) how are you doing? And, um, how are you, you know, finding time to, to really still take care of you? Cause that's Um, the biggest thing I think mamas, (laughs) you know, and we all need to support each other in that and helping each other get the rest that we need and the support that we need. Yeah. I was, um, I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day because I don't feel like I take very good care of me this last week. I feel like I've started to do better. I'm somebody who I do so much better with a routine. Um, and so like a week ago I started like, okay, every morning we're just going to wake up 
eat breakfast and get outside. And since starting that, I feel like that's like helped out a lot. Cause I just get going for a day. I take the baby and the dog for a walk. I'll do like these, um, Peloton, like walk things yep, yeah. or like walk jog things. Um, great. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's really made a difference. Um, just that fresh air. And there's a lot of research and studies on getting outside early in the morning that really helps with balancing your hormone levels. Oh, that's so Um, good to know. Yeah. That morning sunlight, everything like that, really, it helps your circadian rhythms. So, um, so I'm like, okay, I just need to get outside in the morning. Yeah. Um, but I mean, new mom life, it, I mean, it's definitely (laughs) hard. I feel like there's so many things that people don't prepare you for, but all in the same breath, it's so amazing. She's at this phase, she's 10 months old and she's so curious about everything. She's learning so much. She's cuddly and sweet and laughs and babbles. And it's just like, she just has the most fun personality. And so as, as tired as you can be, sometimes it's, you just look at her and you're like, it's worth everything. And, um, I feel like you, the thing that I've learned a lot though, is just, you get so much unsolicited advice and that's really hard because she's 10 months and doesn't sleep through the night. So, you know, people will say, oh, well, you just need to let her cry. Maybe she's old enough that you need to do this. And I'm like, listen, okay. I'm, it's okay for me to complain that I'm tired and still and you don't not- have to fix it. Right, 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 <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's like, that's the hard thing is, um, setting boundaries, um, even with family, cause I'm, I'm like the weird crunchy person in my <laughs> husband's family In my family, my sister already paved the way. So yeah. everyone's like, whatever. <laughs> um, they're like, cause she, her oldest is 13. So, oh wow. Yeah. He already like, yeah, everyone's been like, there, okay, whatever. Right. Right. <laughs> she had four at home water births, like wow. did all this Incredible. stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, my family just doesn't bat an eye at anything I do. Yeah, <laughs> totally, like, totally. My husband's family's like, what? You're like, going to make her first that? birthday cake out of squash. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. How yeah, I'm going to need that recipe. How do you even do I that? I know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to make a smash cake out of squash and bananas. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't want her having that much sugar. That's funny. You don't. And yeah. I'm like, but then they're like, oh, you say that with your first kid, but whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I, <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It, it's, right. And, and yeah. we definitely have like a different lifestyle than yeah. the yes. rest of his family when it comes to that stuff. Not that we don't have sugar or we don't yeah. like indulge because we absolutely do. Um, <laughs> We're that but... way too, but Chris grew up that way. So it's like no big deal, but even like, you know, his brother, they're different, they're, they're different. And we're always those parents, you know, <laughs> that like, no, 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 they can't have another sucker or like, no, that's so much sugar right before bed. Um, right. But right. you know what? It's cute because since Asher didn't get a lot of sugar um, while he was young and didn't even know what it was, he actually is more grateful for when he has it now. And he's four and a half now. So he gets a, a little bit more than normal, but you know, he's like so grateful for it. And he knows like, sometimes he's like, if I'm like, oh yeah, you can have another gummy. He's like, oh no, I, I already had, you know, something else. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, kid, <laughs> you're so cute. Um, but it is true. The second one, you know, because he's younger, he's introduced to whatever brother's having sooner. 
Right, right. So we still limit it, but it is more, right. And I'm like, difficult. I know, I know that when we have another kid at some point, Jovi's going to give them a bite oh, yeah. of her cookie. Like, oh, yeah. I know I'm not naive to that. Like, I know <laughs> those things yeah. are going to happen, but do I want grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles like doing it? No. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's definitely interesting. Like, don't even know what it is or care. Like, you know, right. they're at an age, Jovi's at an age, she doesn't even know or like care what. Right. A cookie is <laughs> right, right, right. So it, I feel like it's the only the only thing that's hard too is that um, none of my family's here, and it's oh. all of my husband's family's here, which they're absolutely amazing. Like they're so helpful, and like they've just taken me in as their own, and um, cool. they're awesome. I'm at his parents' house like all the time. I just like cool. I'm like anyone home. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's we're so over fun. here. So yeah, that. I mean, they're, they're absolutely amazing. Um, but I do feel like it's hard because I would love our kids to have both sides of the family for like the values and the way that mm-hmm. to learn, like how each side lives and like have a blend. Um, and where and is so that, I'm, we're kind of spread out <laughs> and that's oh. like the hard part too. I have four siblings or three siblings. There's four of us kids. We're all in a different state. Oh, wow. And, um, but my parents are in Texas and then my sister who I'm closest in age with, who has younger kids is in Texas. Oh, okay. My other sister, all her kids are grown. Um, so it's nice. Cause she gets to like, come visit me whenever she wants. Cause her kids are grown. Yeah. She's know. like, Oh, they take care of themselves. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and she lives in Indiana. So not too far away. Oh, yeah. Um, cause you but are it, in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So that, I feel like that's just kind of like the other hard part is, learning. I feel like parenting brings out a lot in us. I feel like our biggest fights that we had was like started when I got pregnant. Um, and our first fight was over like a home, whether I could have a home birth or not. And, (laughs) um, (laughs) and, um, and I remember when I interviewed your husband asking yeah. him about that and he was like, oh, I was used to it. So it wasn't a big yeah. deal for me. Cause most guys are like, no, they're, <laughs> like, they're, right. they're just don't, it's, it's like something they just don't know, but no, right. Chris was born in the same house that his parents still live in. So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah that's cool. You know, I feel like parenting kind of brings out, I, at least for us, like arguments that was like, wow, we never really talked about this before. We talked about how like, oh, we do have the same morals and values and we want to raise cool. them. Um, like going to church and with these beliefs and, but yeah, I, I do feel like just the pregnancy and all of that did bring up a lot for us to, to figure out. <laughs> no, totally. So now that uh, Jovi's 10 months, I mean, it is hard the first year really to connect with your spouse. I mean, <laughs> for me and Chris, it was, cause you're just like go mode with a baby and super exhausted. So how do you guys find time to kind of stay connected and hang out or yeah, like, you know, everyone says, keep the spark alive. <laughs> well, we, so I feel like we've done a really good job. I feel like having a kid brought us a lot closer. Um, I think him seeing me go through the labor and birthing process and me just seeing how well he took care of us and um, loves us, like just really brought us closer together and there's definitely been, I feel like the divide when we don't get along on a parenting issue, which like we're working through. Um, yeah. but for the most part, like 
I feel like our spark has kind of stayed alive. Like we, right. yeah, we actually, so we have like a fun podcast called the long haul podcast where it's like our couples that. podcast. That's yeah. So <laughs> and we started it kind of talking about like, I love that the long haul. Yeah. We started oh, talking about so just cute. like faith and, um, marriage and now it's like pretty random, but, um, we do a challenge in this year. It's July on top of me. So it's a 30 day sex challenge. 30 uh, days. Yeah. And oh, so that, that's it's cool. for the month of July. So it's called right. July on top of me. Well, well Chris would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's also, we, I mean, we talk about it. It doesn't have to necessarily be about that, but it's just creating that intentionality of we're taking time to be together, to be yeah. intimate. And it doesn't have to look like that, but to, um, you know, like the other day we laid in bed and I was like, tell me something about you, yeah. but I don't know. And we were just like chatting and, um, and just trying to learn something new about each other. And I so it's so just, smart. it's so, great. yeah, I think and you realize lost is right. You right. have to and, still date because there's right still layers to a human being, mm-hmm. you know, to For try sure. to unravel and get to know and stay closer. Right. And the first time we did it was before we had Jovi, um, before we got pregnant, uh, we did the challenge. And the one thing that we learned, cause he works long hours, he works construction, he wakes okay. up early and works really hard in the heat. And, yeah. um, he was like, I just realized like, no matter how long the day was or how tired I was, like, you can make time, you can find time. And, that's um, that's now I feel like almost the roles are reversed. Like <laughs> I'm tired, yep. you know, with Jovi. And at the end of the day, I'm like, Oh, like yeah. I just, I want to just zone out sometimes and do yeah. nothing. And, um, but you can, you can like make that time and then it always feels good to connect. So, uh, um, and then communication, I feel like just communication is huge. We, we never huge. hold anything in. Like if he does something in the moment that makes me mad or that triggers something in me, like we bring it up right away. Um, That's so good. And it goes both ways so that there's never this buildup or resentment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember after I had Jovi, there was one point where I was kind of feeling that. And I'm like, man, I feel anger toward you and resentment toward it's you. resentment because of the sacrifice we do for our body and our right. mind and our sleep. And yeah, because it had just, nothing to do with him. Like uh-uh, He couldn't nurse yeah. the baby. Like yeah, he couldn't, totally. <laughs> he couldn't switch roles. And I'm like, I'm mad at you for no reason uh-huh. right now. Like I did that too. I can't the help it. Of like, oh, oh, you just get to go golf with your friends, and 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 I'm here with the baby. You know, and it's. I mean, it, it. Those are. I think women need to know that it's fine to have certain emotions, but also, like you said, to realize where it's coming from. And that it's not about them. Like I always say that um, it's it's not the kids that affect a marriage. It's the reaction to the kids. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we're like, oh, if only the kids were just better. Or if they went to bed earlier. Or if they weren't this, then I wouldn't be so tense. But it's like, well, that's your reaction to them being bad. So like, mm-hmm. how can we work on our reactions? And so ever since kind of putting that into our perspective as parents, I think it's shifted to of like, okay, I'm not mad at you. I'm just, you know, it's like not being able to control the situation or I have work on my mind and the kids are being bad. And I, you know, so it's like understanding where those emotions are coming from, I think is so important. No, that is really good. I think that's great advice because it is our reactions. 
and usually even like when I'm mad at Vito has nothing to do with him. Like usually yeah. it has more to do with me. I'm like, <laughs> it brings up my own issues and that's why I'm mad. Cause you brought up my issues. <laughs> oh, that's so. actually really funny. Cause I do think we get upset when, yeah, we're triggered, but we know that our trigger, we're just mad that we got triggered. <laughs> right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so. that's so funny. Well, Liz, it's always so much fun to chat with you and I can't wait to see your family grow and I'm excited for your podcast. Yeah. Thank you. What will the topics be just life, life in general? Yeah. I mean, we're going to still do a lot of parenting motherhood birth. Um, but we're also going to get into a lot of, um, just even like health, just more education. Um, I feel like I'm learning a lot of things that I didn't really know, like having a baby and learning what products I could use, what products I can't like just trying to figure it out. So I've just found some like really cool experts on different topics. Um, it's still mostly going to be in that area because it's the season of life I'm into. Um, but it will probably just be like a little more unfiltered as well. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to that and every, and everyone has to go subscribe to Miraculous Mamas so that you know when her new podcast comes. <laughs> yes. And um, can you let everyone know how to find you on, on social and on the podcast? Yeah. So both for the podcast and it's the name of the podcast is Miraculous Mamas. The Instagram is Miraculous Mamas. The podcast is everywhere you listen to podcasts. And then my personal Instagram is E Sandoz. All right. Well, thank you so very much. And yeah, thank have a good you. rest of the day. Thank you.